He's struggled with his weight because he's so confused. And everybody, I feel like... It's confusing. You, yeah, it's confusing. There's too and, much stuff out and there. And you know what? That's 100% on purpose, you guys. The food industry, mm-hmm. diet doctors, people who write diet books, nutritionists, dietitians, not all of them, but most of them make money off you guys being confused. Welcome to Black Belt Beauty Radio, a podcast fueled by a passion to support your journey in developing your most beautiful and optimal performance in life. Each episode is driven with the intention to elevate your mind. When we elevate our mind, we elevate our life. So get ready. It's time to rise. What's up, people? I'm super stoked to be back and sharing with you today my friend, Julie Keen. Julie Keen is a serious badass in the arena of diet nutrition. She's a clinical nutritionist with a degree in biochemistry and I don't think as as beautiful as that title is, and it's you know she's just so much more than even that. So, you know, I am extremely grateful to have this platform where I get to bring on this woman who is just a wealth of knowledge, and not just knowledge. I mean, sure. So I listen to scientists. A lot of the knowledge that I have attained over the years when it comes to diet nutrition. Um, is 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 knowledge that is science backed. You know, I'm listening to scientists who are published and who are really out there who know their business, and that's where I like to speak from when I do. You know, share any kind of knowledge from you know a diet and nutrition perspective. In, in addition to my own personal experience, obviously, I speak from there as well, and. You know, so Julie, I I just say that because I want to validate her even more that although she might not be a scientist, she is speaking the same language and she, her language is sick. Like it's, it's, there's so much value in it. So, you know, the goal here in this episode with her, one of, it's the first one, I'll say it right now, she's going to be a repeating guest because there's so much knowledge that she has that is important to share uh, that I know will be of benefit to all of you who are interested in, you know, feeling great and, you know, living your most optimal self in in your life. Um, But to kind of just have a focused topic, otherwise we'd be talking for four hours easily, uh, we wanted to really unpack this idea around tribal diets versus personalized diets. And, you know, to... Alleviate confusion because there's so much confusion when it comes to diet. I feel as much as we are stepping into, you know, a, a time where we are learning so much more. There's so much more knowledge and information out there, which is beautiful. Um, you know, there's also a lot of inflammation out there in terms of information. You know, like do this, don't have you know dairy. Dairy's good. Don't have fat. Gluten's fine. Gluten's not fine. Holy shit! And you know, for people who don't have the ability to really dig down and dirty and, 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 you know, listen to scientists, for example, like me, who are really getting to the core of what is, you know, what, it's really helpful to have someone like Julie who is super smart and super experienced to help unpack um, and alleviate this kind of confusion. So I hope that you love this episode and, you know, really connect with her because again, she's going to be a repeating guest and I'm just excited to, to, to be able to share this episode with the intention that you you walk away and you feel more clear about, you know, what it is that you need to do for yourself through your diet to feel your best. So 
Without further ado, I hope that you enjoy this conversation with my friend, Julie Keen. I'm super excited, you guys. I have an amazing woman here who is a clinical nutritionist by the name of Julie Keen. And I'm going to hand the microphone over to her to give, um, for her to give you guys a brief um, story of her background, how she came to be this wealth of knowledge. You guys, I'm so excited. Be ready for some serious rabbit holes right now. Um, hi, Julie. Hi, Roxy. Hi, everybody. I'm so excited. Um, you should see the smile on my face right now. This is my first. I can see it. This is my first podcast, and um, I told my husband that this morning, and he just shook his head because he never knows what I'm doing. But um, so I'm a clinical nutritionist, and I actually met Roxy because um, my 17 year old daughter was uh, seriously obsessing over her arms, and if you. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen Roxy's arms. They're badass. And Thank then you. my daughter was like, you have to meet this girl. She's like so into nutrition and working out and just her energy is great. You have to meet her. So, and it's, I'm just so happy to know her. And um, she asked me on the podcast because we've spent some hours already talking about nutrition. And um, I love Roxy because we don't skip a beat. And that's very rare that I can talk to somebody who's not one of my teachers about nutrition so easily and have five different conversations going and <laughs> <laughs> one time. Totally. And we're like, on this one, yeah. On this one, no. On this, totally. And like, just finish each other's thoughts. So that's very cool. And um, she's turned me on to some great teachers and podcasts and doctors. And I'm just glad to be here. I'm going to try to help you guys um, you guys, we have so much, yeah, so much to talk about. The thing is, is that Julie is going to be on this podcast um, several times. Like I said, she's a wealth of knowledge. I'm super excited to have her on today. And I today, I think the big focus is going to be kind of tri how I like to frame it is tribal diets. You know, when you think of like keto and vegan and paleo and all these, you know, kind of clubby, type of, not to discredit them, but just to kind of make it easy yeah. to, they are very tribal, mm -hmm. right? Because people get very like, this is my diet yeah. versus personalized nutrition, um, you know, specifically designed for the individual, for you. So can you, first of all, um, can you explain the difference between being a clinical nutritionist and uh, versus a registered nutritionist? And by sure. the way, she has a degree in biochemistry, which when her daughter <laughs> told me that, you guys, seriously, that was it. Me and me and her daughter were talking for an hour and a half after that because you already know by now I'm a biology geek. So, sorry, Ken. <laughs> sure. Hi. Yeah. So, um, I do have an undergrad in biochemistry and the difference between myself and a registered dietitian, registered dietitians and the reason why I didn't want to become a registered dietitian or go through the schooling with, for that is a couple reasons. I had a bachelor's degree in psychology and I wanted to be a child psychiatrist. And there were doctors like Dr. Feingold, Dr. Marianne Block. There were doctors who were working with um, children with autism, which is a lot of what we were seeing in locked psych hospitals at that time. And I was in a cutting edge one up in the Bay Area. And these two, there were a couple of the doctors I worked with who were starting to use food with these kids. And these kids were getting better. And they were not getting better with... Um, with any of the medication, none of the talk therapy, behavior therapy, none of that was really making a dent. But as soon as they took away, these kids had cafeteria style because it was a private hospital. They could eat 
bacon, green jello, and a cup of Coke for breakfast. That's insane. Yeah. And I noticed because I was a tech and we had to do management of assaultive behavior, which is mm-hmm. taking these kids down, mm-hmm. putting them in five-point restraints, and shooting them with Haldol, basically, um, sedating them. Oh, wow. And little kids, we're talking latency age, like 5 to 11 or 12, too young to go on the adolescent unit. And um, they always went off within... I would say within an hour, maybe hour and a half of mealtime, sometimes 20 minutes. Okay. They would just go off and they would be fine outside of mealtime. So that got me started. And I knew that psychiatry wasn't for me because all those doctors did was either become very hard and callous to the patients or get so sucked in that they burned out. Mm-hmm. And I know my personality and I just, you know, I just didn't want to do that. So, And would I, you say, sorry to cut you off, but I just want to, sure. would you say that, um, you know, it was obviously intriguing to you and you saw that diet specifically, what these kids were eating was playing a major role in their yeah. their behavior and their, their well-being, I guess, mm-hmm. is a good way their to put it. brain chemistry. So it, like, pulls yeah. you in, basically, oh, to totally. another direction. Oh, yeah. I immediately – and the hospital politics were such that they didn't want these doctors doing the food changes. And the food changes were so simple back then. There were no chemicals no sugar mm-hmm. and i believe i believe no caffeine okay. so that's super simple yeah. they didn't even take away the nitrates and the bacon or anything like that and there were huge changes for these children on that alone the chemicals the artificial colorings were big that's dr feinkel's oh, wow. yeah. diet and um, if you look them on up on wikipedia they discredit him at this point because there wasn't enough science but nobody was doing science on this back then because mm-hmm. nobody cared about nutrition 20 years ago totally so i went and looked for a I wanted to become a clinical nutritionist. And um, in between uh, working in a psych hospital, I worked for a short stint at LA's, the LA uh, mayor's office, mm-hmm. um, hired by Bradley, and worked for Reardon, working with schools with substance abuse and a little bit of nutrition, and that wasn't quite right for me. And then I was managing a, a brand-new um, vitamin store, high-end vitamin store that was like a natural pharmacy in Manhattan Beach. Mm-hmm. And it was um, that was where I kind of started knowing about clinical nutrition okay. and reading books and uh, meeting people that were into it and um, just kind of putting all of it together and um, learning from Dr. Marianne Block has a book called uh, No More Ritalin. And she oh, wow. went back to school at 39 to save her own, doc- her own daughter from... It wasn't ADD, it was food sensitivities, severe food sensitivities, but her daughter couldn't function. And she became an, a doctor and fixed her daughter. And Well, so she didn't know, I, I'm imagining that, obviously she didn't know it was it was a food issue. They were thinking maybe that right. it's like some kind of... A brain. Right, yeah. like a chemical like thing. Like she was born organically with that. Right. Yeah. And so you got to think yeah. almost like, sorry, side note, just totally inserting this. It's crazy. How many people walk around thinking that they have some kind of chemical... Imbalance. Imbalance, yeah. but yeah. It, it's right. So she, sorry. Well, she sent me, I sent away, I spent like 150 bucks and she had a very primitive book and some uh, VHS tapes. I'm aging myself. <laughs> no. And this was like 90, I don't even remember. I want to say like 94 or something okay. like that. She sent me these tapes, and on the tapes, because we didn't really have much internet, if any, back then, they showed her daughter like 10 minutes after she ate chemicals, and then 15 minutes, and this kid was having a full-on episode of violence and pulling her own hair out and banging her head, and that's a very extreme case. Yeah. And then she showed her how she was three or four days of detoxing of just clean food. So when you say chemicals, just so, because I'm sure people might be like, what's chemicals? 
What what could be a good example? So like um, F, D, and C red dyes, red okay. number four, okay. blue number two, yellow lake, um, nitrates, and, and these... nitrates in meats are chemicals. Got it. Um, okay. Anything that's a preservative that if you can't pronounce it, most likely it's a chemical. Right. And it's usually used to preserve foods or make them look better than they are. Sure. More yeah. appealing. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so her daughter was reacting to these foods like horribly and it just got me thinking that I need to know why these things are happening. And back then we didn't know what autism was either. Mm. And so there was Dr. Rimlin who was like known as the father of the biomedical model of autism now. And they told him he was an MD and a brilliant one and a scientist. And they told him that his son was autistic because his wife was a cold mother. Oh, my and goodness. Yeah, he so loved his wife and knew that she wasn't that he set out to prove that that autism was something that was biomedical. That sure. It, you weren't born with it. It's kind of a perfect storm of things that happen. Mm-hmm. So between those few doctors I was watching and then the doctors in the hospital who eventually got fired and I quit, I was hooked and I just knew that... What, what RDs learn is dietetics. And dietetics, RDs, re- registered. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Registered dietitians learn mm-hmm. dietetics. And if okay. I was looking at like Cal State Northridge, because I was back in the area at that time and any of the schools around here, Long Beach, and I was just so dreading going back to school. And um, I just thought, I don't want to learn the four food groups. I don't want to learn the food pyramid because I think they're garbage. Yeah. I think that they're useless and they're not from what I had already known, which was minuscule at that point. Mm-hmm. I knew that it was all backwards and I didn't know why. Now I know why and that there's all kinds of food industry and right. and political money. stuff, money stuff, money <laughs> yeah. and politics going on. And I don't think most registered dietitians, and I am friends with many of them and have been for many years. I don't think they realize until they get into it and they start paying ten to thirty thousand dollars for an internship with another dietitian yeah. to get their their hours. Like it would have cost me a lot of money, and I would have come out not knowing how to do what I wanted to do, which was fix people's biochemistry. Mm-hmm. So it, my way was a little longer, and I think a little harder in some ways, but it was also it would have just crushed my soul to go back and learn something that was not what I wanted to learn. And what happened is a lot of the dietitians used to question me and say, oh, you'll never get a job. You can't work in a hospital. You won't be able to do private practice. And I've been cash only private practice for 20, like 20 something years. And they come to me, a lot of them, and ask me if I would train them on doing like functional nutrition and and biochemistry and like, you know, now there's plenty of classes they can take, but 10 years ago there weren't. So yeah. So you've been on the leading edge in this department, which is so, you guys, that's why I, I, she's going to be on this podcast so much because like I said, I mean, we got to keep it obviously within a a healthy time frame, but there's just so much knowledge because when, when her and I get to wrap out about all this stuff. I mean, it, we it goes on for hours and we're both not phone <laughs> people. So it's kind of funny to us, but I'm so grateful because I love unpacking and, and, you know, learning more about, you know, all of this stuff that we're talking about and going to be talking about. And it's actually not that common that, you know, I can sit down and have a conversation with someone like Julie who has this wealth of knowledge. And also, you know, it's one thing to have the knowledge, but to be able to explain it because biology is so complex and to be able to explain it in a way that makes it um, digestible. (laughs) 
it's really a, it's a it's a palatable yeah it's a it's a talent so um so yeah so I'm so yeah. please continue I'm Thank excited you. yeah well anyway um that's my background I am much more my teachers were people like Jeffrey Bland and Harry Eidner taught me about blood chemistry before anybody was testing blood for optimal levels and I wanted to learn all that specialty testing and I learned that and so now I know that some of them are garbage and some of them are very helpful what you don't want to do is do testing with a new practitioner because in the beginning nobody knows what to do with those results it takes I think at least five to ten years of experience I would say closer to ten before you know what to really do with those results really yeah yeah. and I think new practitioners if they're being honest would actually admit that unless they work under a really really great like and most of them are mentored then they they need somebody who they can go to refer to so um Yeah, so I'm excited to talk about yeah, personalized diets. Yeah, so, okay. Um, I mean, where do we, how do we get into this? Because it's a big topic. So yeah. I, people ask me, I'll, I'll, I'll just put it on me. People ask me a lot about like, so what's your diet? What's your diet? And I don't have any kind of, you know, label to, to give them to make it easy, I guess, to understand. Um, so I kind of have to unpack you know, what I eat a bit. But I guess what that really means is that over the years, I've tried so many different things, you know, while I'm learning, you know, it's like, okay, what's the ketogenic? What is, you know, the Atkins? What, you know, what is all that? I've done it, which is cool because I do have experience um, to understand these diets just from from learning them um, and applying them. But ultimately what ended up happening um, for me over the years is just, I've really developed a very deep connection to like how I like to frame it is like my body IQ, right? So I can feel what feels good to me and what doesn't feel good to me, right? So that's kind of how I've been rolling with my diet for years. I don't eat meat only because my body does not ask me for meat. It doesn't gravitate towards meat. If one day I woke up and my body said, feed me meat, I know it's not an emotional thing. It's probably my B vitamins or my iron, something is going on because our bodies are always shifting and I need to, you know, respect that. So then I would get some kind of clean, ethically sourced meat and probably get down on it. Although that would be very hard because it's been so many (laughs) years, but the, but to take it even deeper, which is what's, it's so rad to have Julie here to really get deeper in it is now I really love epigenetics. I love nutrigenomics, which is, you know, how diet affects your genes Mm -hmm. and, the thing is, is all of our genes are so different, right? We we are all so different. So to try and fit, you know, your, your being into this, you know, overarching concept of a diet, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't always work out. You know, keto might not be the greatest thing for you. I'm not saying keto is bad. I'm just mm-hmm. saying until you know more about the complexities of you and your genes, it, you know, it, it's not necessarily always the greatest route to just go on, you know, oh, I can lose weight on this. So this is the way to go. So, you know, I mean, ultimately what's the point here? The point is longevity, optimal health, you know, to feel good every single day of your life and to not just live a long life, but to live, to have more robust years in the long life that you're able to live. And the thing is, diet is a, it is the factor Mm -hmm. in that. 
So now that was my rant. Yeah. Julie, it's <laughs> on <awesome>. you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that's, I mean, that's awesome. And I love that about you. I went many years as I had an eating disorder in my early 20s. I went many years as a vegetarian, and then I went many years as a vegan. I've gone years as a pescatarian. I've, you know, I've gone to, I've done paleo. I've done a a modified keto. I've never been the person that's going to eat like bacon burgers and stuff like that. And I don't like meat, to be honest. I don't care for it. My body never has driven me there. But like when I was married, when I was pregnant, um, I needed to, and then I was sick a couple of years ago and I just wasn't getting better. And I knew somehow that I needed to add some animal protein Protein. to my diet because, um, I, my body was overreacting to other types of protein and things like that. And, and it is what I needed and it helped. So, I mean, I am not, I, I don't, so when a patient comes to me, I give them a lot of paperwork and sometimes they complain, but it's more, it's so thorough for them. I'm the one that has to read through it all before I even see them, but it just helps me to, to be able to then, um, look at what they've been eating, look at how they feel, look at their, if I have the epigenetics, their SNPs, I will look at them. They're 23 and me or something like that. Can you explain what epigenetics is? Yeah. Epigenetics is the science of your genes. So we recently in the last, I don't know, I want to say eight years, maybe 10 years have, had some guy invented a machine where he can, they can um, show us all of our genes or not all, we have a billions, but there's a good amount of them. Mm -hmm. And so there's certain SNPs that we have that, and just because you have a SNP doesn't mean that, so they make you more predisposed maybe to certain um, good traits and health issues. A SNP, sorry, that's a good question. A SNP, Mm S-N-P, so three letters. It's a single nucleotide polymorphism. I love that word, polymorphism. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's a great, and polymorphism, (laughs) that thing can go either way. You can be expressing it, you can be not expressing it. Ben Lynch just came out with a great book called Dirty Genes, if you want to just like a primer on this. Mm -hmm. He's very well known in my field for um, working with epigenetics. And uh, when I got sick, I looked into his work for how to help myself and my daughter. She got sick as well. And um, he's very into environmental toxicity Mm -hmm. and what you eat and how it affects your genetics. So I totally believe that you can modify your genetics. Like I posted on my stories recently on Instagram that I just realized that I have, and the one that I use, Live Wello, right now, they're constantly upgrading. So mine said I have two of the two, two out of the two for macular degen, macular degeneration of the eyes, and my dad is going blind from that. He's had quite a few surgeries. Okay. But instead of being bummed, like I'm diving into the research and I'm going to figure out how I modify that. Yeah, because if, yeah. through your diet. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Diet, yeah. supplements, whatever, right, right. whatever, right. Um, stress relief, whatever it is, I'm going to do whatever I can. So yeah. some people freak out. And they don't want to know if they have certain genes. I want to know. I'm the type of person I've always been like this. I want to know everything there is possibly to know so I can't be blindsided by anything. Sure. Well, and yeah. better to know, I think, when you're younger and you yeah. you have more ability to kind of to, to, to research and to, you know, kind of mitigate some of the damage right. that could happen exactly. versus exactly. later in life. By the way, all the books mentioned, you know, all this 23 and Me, it will all be in the show notes. So yeah, I'm yeah. talking too fast. No, <laughs> no, I just, there's so much okay, information yeah, so and I, yeah. I want to make sure that make everyone, sure all. yeah, totally. Um, so now I can help my dad with that as well. So I get, by the time patients come to me, a lot of the patients who get referred to me are very sick. Some, a lot of people just find me and then they just maybe want a diet 
that works for them. They want steady energy throughout the day. And so I'm always looking at different stuff. And I have one patient who said, uh, just tell me the three or four foods that I have to stay away from. And over the next year that I'll be like, won't be fat anymore. Oh my and goodness. he's a really cool guy. And I love that he wishes we could do that. But right. it's, it's, I told him it's not that simple, but I'm going to give you some, a few things that you can do where you will feel better right away and they'll keep you wanting to do more. Sure. And that's what we've been doing. Like he came back after two weeks and he said, that is the best thing ever. I feel so freaking good. And I was so <laughs> happy. So like cool. he works sales, he's traveling constantly and he's struggled with his weight because he's so confused. And everybody, I feel like it's confusing. Yeah, it's confusing. There's too and, much stuff out and there. And you know what? That's a hundred percent on purpose you guys the food industry mm-hmm. diet doctors people who write diet books nutritionists dietitians not all of them but most of them make money off you guys being confused I feel like you know what I read that on your um I love that you you posted on your Instagram and I feel mm-hmm. like I think it was Tony Robbins and his one of his recent books about money there, there was something similar in that. Like they want you to be confused oh, yes. about how the whole thing with money uh-huh. works. And yeah. it makes sense to me yeah. because, you know, yeah. it's easy to persuade someone who doesn't have the knowledge, right? To buy their junk. Right. To buy whatever. To go in their selling. direction, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. And people have said, why don't you write, you should have written a diet book a long time ago. Well, honestly, my diet book would have changed over the years, but not by much. It's always been personalized, bio-individualized nutrition. Yeah. And that's in my first brochure that I wrote in like 94. It says, how can one diet be right for everybody? Right. It can't. And then it also would be similar to... I would say a modified paleo diet with a lot of vegetables. Dr. Hyman, I heard him say yesterday, he's calling it, um, he did this a couple months ago and the press went wild. Pegan, I think, P-E-G-A-N. So it's a lot of plants or no. Yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah. I read that Remember, post you know and what? I'm going to one-up him. Yeah. Because years ago, Vigelio. you know what I came up with? What? Vigelio? <laughs> no. Pescatigan. <laughs> I remember I reading like his that. post and I was like, I'm already, I got yeah. you. Yeah. Mark, I love Mark Hyman though. That, yeah, that's, awesome. that's someone who really knows his business for mm-hmm. sure. In my opinion. Oh, totally. He's one I, of my earliest teachers. Yeah. He, everything he yeah. puts out, I just feel such an alignment and I'm not into dogma. It's just, you know, I study all of it and, you know, just from personal experience too. Like I actually, I, I, I do agree that if we have to use a label, you know, the paleo diet is, if it, if it would make somebody, it makes it easier for somebody to understand my diet, even though I don't eat meat, it right. is more in that realm because everything yeah. is just yeah. whole foods, right. clean it's foods. It's closer than we've ever been for sure. It's yeah. very much like from that, or, you know, like primitive kind of, it's not the caveman diet. Yeah. It's just... You know, we don't know what cavemen ate. To be honest, that's I, Dr. Cordain <laughs> wrote that book, but we I love that. We don't know what the hell cavemen ate. We weren't there. Come on, he wasn't. I definitely there. wasn't. Lauren Cordain was not there. We were not there. They're extrapolating, <laughs> and uh, even my husband thinks he's on the paleo, and he's going around telling all these practitioners and people that I work with that I put him on paleo, and he's paleo, and he's not paleo because he has a gallbladder issue where he will get stones, and I know this from his epigenetics and his labs, okay, and his symptoms and so he's on like a modified paleo with a lot of vegetables but he's what is modified just so people modified means i um change it a little bit based on each person and what would you change so for him he can't do all that fat he can't have like 
bacon. He mm-hmm. can't have, I mean, he can have some bacon, but like turkey, leaner bacon. He can't handle a lot of fat that sometimes goes along with the um, paleo diet. Okay. And he can't handle, he can have more protein and more fat right now just because he's still in the early month or so. And we're trying to get rid of his um, dependence on sugar constantly throughout the day. And I don't mean Got just it. sugary foods. I mean fruit. I mean carbs. I mean, so. Well, fast digesting yeah. carbs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we've, I've cut his amount of carbs and the type of carbs to be beneficial so that he's only getting enough to get him through. And he's Got a contractor. It. He works physically hard right. all day long. Like right. he's not just a paper pusher. The guy builds houses. So, yeah. um, and remodels and does fine woodworking. So he's busy all day long. He needs to fuel that. So I would never put him on a low carb diet. Yeah. I don't think there's many people I would, but I want, he, he's facing back issues. So I want him to lose weight, but he thinks it's paleo, but it's paleo adjusted. So I offer him, as long as there's a lot of vegetables around, he'll eat it. And if I fill his plates with vegetables and Mm -hmm. then I put a measured amount of protein and carbs, Mm -hmm. and then when he's not satiated, I add a little more fat, but good fats like coconut oil, um, sesame oil, avocado oil, olive oil. Those fats. So one thing to to kind of put in here, I think that's important, is obviously everyone's lifestyle, your job, you know, that's going to play a big role in your diet. I'm an athlete, not by profession, but by lifestyle, 100%. The way that I fuel my body is 100% in support of, um, well, just longevity period, but also, you know, performance, you know? So if I, if I, you know, if I have, and I tend to eat more of the proteins and fats and I don't crave, um, you know, um, yeah, I don't crave sugar at all, actually. Um, you know, or fast digesting carbs. Um, but I, so, but for example, if you are someone who likes to live heavy weights and you have to be, you know, explosive in your sport or something like that, carbohydrates, and I'm talking about fast digesting carbohydrates yeah, too. You want to grow muscle, yeah. fast digesting carbohydrates, yeah, those things you are important. Yeah. So I think just to make this podcast episode kind of easy for the majority, mm-hmm. we're, 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 you know, everyone's going to be specific to their, their diets are specific to your lifestyle. But I think the overarching concept here is just how to maintain, you know, a very healthy version of yourself, um, that allows you to feel good, you know, avoid inflammation, puffiness, essentially yeah. disease. Yes. Yeah. So that's yeah. I yeah. Think something. If- If I was to make some broad statements like universal about um, diet and health, I would say definitely you must eat more plants. You have to eat more vegetables. You do that. Like your diet is like, I think she's more hardcore than I am about eating. Like I love fiber. Yeah, She ate the biggest vegetable bowl with like, I think it had a soft boiled egg and some salmon on it and like probably extra bitter greens and stuff. I do like sour. You know what? Because my, my, and this will be... I don't mean, we'll dive into it a little bit here, mm-hmm. but I feel like we'll have a whole podcast about this. But I'm such an advocate also for, you know, how can I keep my immune system strong? Nutrients. Well, the microbiome, which mm-hmm. is the, you know, your gut flora, your healthy, the bacteria in your gut, mm-hmm. it survives on one thing and one thing only uh, outside of your, mm-hmm. your stomach lining, which you don't want them eating, yeah, uh, leaky gut, autoimmune, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Right. So what do they, what do they need? They need fiber. They need fiber, you guys. And majority of America do not, I don't even know what the number is. Like less than, it's like crazy, like less than 20 grams of fiber, which is, 
I mean, I'm probably consuming, yeah. you know, which <laughs> upwards 70 grams. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? You eat more in that one meal than most people do in a day. Which is so, yeah. and it's it scary. tastes so good to me. It's scary. But you know what? All mm-hmm. this flu that just went around and the cold, all you this gnarly business. Yeah. By the way, I'm a makeup artist. People are my face for a living. <laughs> yes. So I'm more susceptible. But gratefully, that shit yeah. didn't touch me. And I am accrediting all that fiber. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, the, and new, the some, micronutrients but... that you eat too, all the mm-hmm. antioxidants and yes. stuff. Well, with vegetables, we're getting two things. We're getting all that fiber and then we're getting all these nutrients. And when you have them with a healthy fat, yeah, um, a lot of people just eat salad and lettuce is very devoid of nutrients. So right. it's actually, Harry Eidner told me years ago, Dr. Eidner, that... Um, I, uh, iceberg lettuce is one of the worst things for your gut. It just rips your gut up and it can, it's like a negative. No, and it's a negative. I mean, I just don't even, I avoid it like the plague. It's like buffet decoration. Actually, ironically, kale was that. Do you remember that? It was, yeah, it was some kind of a, um, garnish or something for years. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not even a huge kale fan because it's like bitter and a lot of my patients have problems with oxalates and kale, but. What does that mean? Sorry. Okay. I'm going to keep stopping you. That's okay. That's fine. So oxalates is, oxalate is a type of, um, acid and it will interact. If you're, if you're hot, tend to store oxalates and can't deal with them, Mm -hmm. then you will wind up having a problem with calcium and things like stones, like kidney stones, calcifications could be in your breast. They could be in your gallstones. You could, they could be in your salivary stones. And so the trick for that, and spinach is another high oxalate green vegetable that's very healthy, but now people are afraid to eat it. But when you cook those, you cook it. Yeah. You cook it and it becomes a lot more friendly. You still, if you have a history, of kidney stones, you can't eat a crap of those particular high oxalate foods. But um, usually, again, these are people who are um, very out of balance. Okay. So you know what? This is a great insert here. I'm going to talk about the raw food diet, which I was was all about it for a long time, you guys, like years ago. But guess what? I, I think you know, nature has seasons. There are times when we really do want warm food. And I love, you know, Eastern medicine that, you know, the whole, with the yin and the Ayurvedic. Um, I just know, you know, when your tongue is pale, you're too, you have too much yin Mm -hmm. in you. And when it's, you know, not when it's the opposite and more red, then there's more, you know, kind of heat and fire. So, you know, just, I remember learning about that Mm -hmm. and being so fascinated with it. And it's, you know, yeah, there's a lot of great things about the raw food diet, you know, the enzymes that you can get from the food, but that's not to say it's going to be the best for everyone just because of what you just pointed out. Right. Well, also because most people, honestly, who come to see me, they can't, they can't digest raw vegetables at all. So you talked about the microbiome and all those, all those bacteria in our gut. I mean, they do. They The problem with giving fiber into a gut, if you don't know that it's a healthy gut, like if you bloat a lot, if you have gas, mm-hmm. if you have any kind of digestion problems, which I would say 60% of the people out there do, maybe higher, yeah. then you're feeding now feeding fiber to the bad bacteria. Oh, wow. And they thrive and they keep, and I think I heard the number a couple of days ago, like there's like, um, I think there was hundreds of pounds of of bacteria and I mean, not hundreds of pounds, but hundreds of millions of bacteria in our stomach. Uh-huh. And we decide whether those are a high level of bacteria or healthy or a high level of unhealthy by mostly what we feed it. 
Oh, and so, to- yeah, but, that's yeah. logical. So yeah. things like FOS, fructooligosaccharides, which is a big thing now, it's a prebiotic. So they say mm-hmm. that will feed your healthy probiotics. They yeah. put it in all the probiotic formulas. They put it in shakes. They mm-hmm. put it in uh, now in multivitamins. That drives me crazy because now people are having a gassy, bloaty, bad reaction to their vitamin or their protein. Right. And they don't know that it's that FOS is feeding the unhealthy bacteria in their gut. And the FOS is a prebiotic? It's a prebiotic, it. yeah. Okay. It's a fructo. Right there, you hear fructo. That's a sugar. Right. Oligosaccharide. So right. F-O-S is yeah. the acronym. Okay. And it'll be on the bottle. It'll just say F-O-S. And then it'll say in parentheses sees it says healthy prebiotic because oh it's gosh. cheaper than whatever they were using before which is the actual probiotic yeah. so um yeah i mean there's a lot that the industry does to confuse people as well right. and to get them to buy you know and sometimes some things are considered a prebiotic like inulin which comes mm-hmm. from chicory mm-hmm. and they're okay with some people and not okay with other people so it just kind of it's kind of a trial and error thing with raw vegetables the raw diet like I have a client who's a I've known had her for years. She's a Pilates teacher. She's like in great shape, like you, not as muscly, but like solid, gorgeous body that she's worked hard for for years. And she survives on salads and kombucha tea. Basically, you right. would think and a little protein and some protein. Yeah. You would think that she was the would be the healthiest person ever. Yeah. But a while back, she came to me with gut issues, and I had to tell her that she had to stop eating salads. Yeah. She loves her giant salads and her kombucha, but that all that fermentation and all those raw vegetables were killing her gut. Right. Ooh. You know yeah. what? Okay. So this is. I get so excited. This I'm like, okay. ooh. No, yeah. Um. So I. I mean. Okay. I, I had posted several times on Black Belt PD a long time ago. I was every morning, you guys, for like over four years, and sometimes at night, ritual, warm water with fresh lemon, apple cider vinegar, stevia, cayenne pepper. It was like <laughs> my good morning drink before coffee, before anything, right? And it was just up until, I think it was like four months ago, that I, I'll, I'll make this really kind of fast and easy, but I, I did some tests and I discovered... That wasn't actually the best thing for me because it, because of all the years that I had been consuming it, I'm my blood type is um, A positive and we tend to have lower digestive enzymes mm-hmm. naturally. Yeah. Um, and also Julie pointed this out to me because I don't eat meat, it that also lowers my digestive enzymes. So the thing is, is ACV, apple cider vinegar, and lemon, when you ingest them, they are alkaline. So what ended up happening is apparently this test, and I don't know how valid it is, but although, you know, I started taking digestive enzymes and it, it, it helped. fully yeah. helped and I stopped drinking the drink yeah. because that was that thing that, you know, I had always known to be so healthy and so good for me was actually not doing me favors. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're kind of throwing a lot of stuff at you know, at you guys right now, we're, it's, it all kind of come together. But the, I think the concept is, you know, what might seem or what we hear is healthy doesn't mean that it's going to be healthy for you, or right. maybe it is for a certain period, mm-hmm. but not, exactly. you know, and mm-hmm. you've got to know how yeah. to maneuver right. and adjust right. with your body. And I, I mean, honestly, when you start feeling crappy, you need to adjust. I have patients who I've had for the whole 20 years, like literally have stayed with me and I might not hear from them for three, four or five years. And then they're like, hey, I just had a baby or hey, I'm getting pregnant or hey, I'm having gut issues. And then we just bring them in. We do a tune up and we figure out what's going on. I send them for labs if needed 
or I figure it out and we get them taken care of. But that's kind of how it's supposed to be. You know, we have different stages of our lives. We're doing different things. We're doing different exercise or maybe we're not exercising. Women and, and our hormones. Yeah, which our is hormones, such a real thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, through all of it. Some of, some of their kids I see through puberty and then into them having babies. Right. And, so it's really interesting that you have to listen to your body. You have to. It doesn't, this nutrition stuff doesn't come out of, there's no one book. I would say I like Dr. Hyman's book recently, and I haven't read the entire thing, but I know what he teaches His and I know book, what he believes. It's called it's What called the Heck? Food. What the heck should I eat? And it's kind of partially in response to that silly uh, movie, What the Health, which is a lot of propaganda and misinformation. I still basically. haven't seen it, but I yeah, know that it, it might is. be a waste of your time. I don't, I mean, God, yeah, I don't, I, I, I think yeah. from what I've heard, it doesn't really inspire me to want to spend any hours of my life that I won't get back. No, um, but at the same time, you know, it could be good just to kind of weigh in my own thoughts on it. Um, but I do know that a lot of people who, who watched that um, immediately were like, I'm going vegan. And yes. listen, you guys, I'm not saying that being vegan, I have nothing against it. Some of the best people that I know are vegan. And some Me vegan, yeah. some people, it works really well for them. Right. But I think th what I don't like is this idea that, you know, it's just getting in the brains of people. It was that, manipulative. That movie yeah. was emotionally manipulative. If you watched it and you were suddenly panicked about your health and ran, I, I can't tell you how many phone calls and emails and texts I got about why were you letting me eat eggs? It's going to kill me. I and, heard it was some, there was yeah. some crazy comparison yeah, about... Yeah, they compared eggs to smoking cigarettes and said that they right. would make you equally as sick, basically. And and it, it did come from... There was a study done on eggs and cigarettes, but then you got to go back to who's funding these studies, who's doing these studies. Always with these clinical studies, just like the American Heart Association saying coconut oil was horrible for you. Right, that was a big a one. A year ago or whatever, I flipped out over that too. It's who, why did they do that? When you start digging, you find these scientists who are well-known scientists for the vegetable oil industries, mm -hmm. which are not really vegetables. They're things like corn mm -hmm. and canola. Those are not All vegetables. genetically modified. Yeah, GMO modified right. um, U.S. subsidy, U.S. farm subsidies are what's involved in that. And then you you loop back to the registered dietitians, the American Dietetic Association. The American Dietetic Association tells us what we should eat. And that's usually based on their sponsors who are the food companies, the yeah. milk companies and the dairy industry and the meat industry. And that part of what the health was great. The fact that, but when they're calling like the secretary of some of these organizations and expecting the secretary to do a debate with them over the phone, mm -hmm. like that was idiotic. And, you know, and when they're, they're, they're like using these biased studies to emotionally manipulate people and make them feel like they needed to stop eating meat right away. And that's yeah. just the, not the way you ever want to do anything, you guys. If you, I mean, and I know when I quit eating meat, it wasn't a one day I'm done. It was a gradual um, thinking about process. it, doing it. I didn't really like it anyway. And um, yeah. you really have to be willing to work hard to be a vegetarian or a vegan correctly if you're going to Correctly, do it. meaning yeah. not just eating a ton of cheese and bread. And, so, uh, and all yeah. those, yeah, packaging right. snacky foods right. that are not right. good for you. Right. I mean, think right. about vegetarians. How many of them do you guys know who are that perpetual 10 to 30 pounds overweight? 
Because, yeah, yeah, because they're not eating the right foods. Right. Yeah. And it's very hard to feel satiated if you're not getting the right proteins and the right fats and the right nutrients. If you're going to be vegan or vegetarian, you have to supplement. You have to. And those are processed. But there's just not a lot of way out of it that I know of. And it was so funny. So I recently posted um, a a B12 shot snap. And it was (laughs) funny because, because again, I don't eat meat. And I know that B12 is essential for your overall health. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like to, you know, kind of put it out there that if you don't eat meat, you know, you definitely want to supplement. And it was funny because the the words are so long. And I was like, oh man, but what's the good kind? Because I know that there are, there's a difference in what kind of B12 shots that you, you know, need to stay away from and, and, and the ones that are, are good to get. And I was thinking to myself, like, what is it? And I'm never going to remember because it's like 14 <laughs> letters long. And I was about to text Julie, like, can you remind me? And I was like, we'll save it for the podcast. Yeah. What was it again? Okay. What kind so of B12? cyanocobalamin is the one that doctors have been giving for many years. Like I used to go in my 20s and get a shot in my butt of cyanocobalamin and some mixed B vitamins. So now that we have our epigenetics and we know that there's this one SNPs, you remember that was single nucleotide polymorphism called the MTHFR. We call it the, the mother- motherfucker yeah, gene. We call it that. And uh, <laughs> I knew she would she would pipe in there. Yeah, it's so fun to say that. But yeah, there's actually two main ones of those that people have been really researched recently: the 1298 and then the C677. Now, uh, my daughter and I are both homo homo for one of. One of those, we have both sides of it. And so you can have two sides on each, one from either parent. Right, Or you could have no sides on each. Now, if you are have any of those MTHFR, so you could have one out of four, you could have two out of four, you could have four out of four. I have two out of four. So if you have any of those positive or actually just in general, you want to do methylcobalamin. Methylation is the process of your your liver being able to break down toxins and get them out of your body. So basically one of those Bs is going to more build up in your body and cause issues or not help you at all. And the other one is going to help you to keep all of your genes cleaner and your methyl is. Yeah, the methyl is and will give you that energy quickly and more over time and you don't have to worry about toxicity as okay. much so that's yeah. huge yeah that's a, yeah yeah after when I do another snap I'll make sure to yeah have do the that in <laughs> yeah if you go way back on mine there's a picture of me I had to do daily shots sometimes twice a day of methyl cobalamin for a couple of years after being a vegan and a vegetarian for so many years and after I got sick and then I heard Dr. Hyman talking recently that um, just like last week that he had the same thing I had lived in a moldy barn that he restored for Mm. years and then viruses and he had a couple different things like a cavitation. Basically, a lot of the chronic illness these days is bad epigenetics and then not um, it's like a perfect storm of your body not not being able to fight things off either because you're eating too many toxins or in my case, it's living near or ingesting or breathing in some kind of a toxin. So that could be a lot of things, but you could be swimming in a pool every day with chlorine and you do that and your body just starts not being able to handle everyday uh, cold and flu like you were talking Mm -hmm. about or viruses like... um, herpes viruses, Epstein-Barr viruses, shingles, stuff like that, your body just can never get rid of and you start catching things like that. So, Wow. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm going to throw in yeah. another magic <clears throat> diet word um, to the mix. Yeah. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Ketogenic diet. That's what I Let's was thinking. Let's go there. My brain was going keto. Um, I feel, actually, I actually think that I, I kind of hang out in a moderate ketogenic diet. I don't 
I don't test. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not purposely doing it. It's just, again, I'm, I'm, and this is all like kind of, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. but I do, there's a lot of carbohydrates from my vegetables and my nuts. Yeah. So that would take me out of, you know, being under 30 grams. If you're going to truly be in the ketogenic diet, it's like 30 to 40 grams of net carbs, right? Sometimes it's even lower. Like I work with cancer patients and we have to get them below 15 and sometimes below five. So it well, just, I think it depends, well, it depends on, on the person. But yeah. I, I think for the keto, actual keto diet, they're saying 30. But if you're doing ketogenic therapeutically, you therapeutically. have to get really down low. So that's yeah. just the keto diet. Is that what they're saying about like when you're following yeah. the keto people? Well, yeah, but the thing stuff? is, is that most okay. people are not under 30. No, I mean, a lot, I, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I think it is very hard yeah. to do that. I mean, yeah. and, and I also, I'm, this is the other thing, you know, I don't, it's not like I, my coffee has 600 grams of fat in it. And so it's not that it's just more that, you know, because I don't eat grains and because Mm -hmm. I don't eat sugar, you know, but I eat blueberries. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of hang out in a, what's called a, Mm -hmm. and I, and I'm framing this from a scientist who is all about the ketogenic diet and so well-versed in it. Um, but in a moderate ketogenic diet. Oh, yeah. 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 And who, which scientist? You forget the name. Um, I'm forgetting it's his okay name right now because I'm on the spot, yeah, but I will. It's okay. Yeah. Um, I probably know who it is. But yeah, I think that um, keto is a really interesting tool. And I've been using it for about, I think, about 10 or 12 years. Am I not loud enough? Sorry, guys. It's okay. Um, I've been using it for 10 or 12 years with my patients because uh, my cancer patients, what they found is that ketogenic has been helpful with certain types of hard tumor cancers because it literally, okay, sugar feeds cancer, you guys. If anybody ever tells you you can eat whatever you want and you have cancer, I'm sorry, that's a bunch of bullshit. You will feed that cancer. You will feed that tumor. Your body will not be able to heal. And don't believe that. I see people posting their cancer diet of milk shakes and candy bars and anything to keep the weight on. And it just makes me cringe because they're just shortening their life. And it just kills me. Why go through the chemo if you're going to kill yourself by eating that stuff? But um, so um, for cancer, I used it and I've used it for weight loss. And I've used it before I knew what intermittent fasting was or bulletproof or any of that. I used it um, for my patients to feel satiated enough that they could, um, for two things. One is satiation, so that they feel full and happy without as many carbs. So a lot of what I do is I wean people off carbs. So I give them a measured amount of carbs, protein, and healthy fats, and I actually lay out the gram amounts for them, and I give them a little range, and I tell them exactly when to eat that stuff. And then we get their blood sugar balanced, and then, of course, they start losing weight. They start feeling more balanced, and they want to they lose a little more weight a little faster. And the only way to do that is to be more ketogenic, basically. Yeah, because you put your body in, in a yeah, fat in yeah, fat burning mode. You're yeah. using fat as the fuel mm-hmm. source. Exactly. By the way, Dom D'Agostino, and I can't believe there I forgot is. his name, okay, but yeah. he's he's been on Joe Rogan's podcast. He's been on Dr. Ronda's, Dr. Ronda Patrick's podcast. I've listened to his talks so many times, and and to be honest, like he's I really respect his his knowledge and research, and it, and it does. You know, it, it it makes me really interested in, in in the kind of overall concept of the ketogenic diet. Not to say that that's the diet for me, because I also know, and he's even said it in his own way. But I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna try and repeat his his words. But for example, women, some women don't do as well on the ketogenic diet, and it has something to do with your hormones, your thyroid, yeah. right? Yeah. But this is not when you're when you're seeing all this 
flashy stuff like the keto yeah, coffee and this and that. Mm-hmm. Well, women, mm-hmm. you know, you yeah. don't know. So right. again, like, yeah. what do you do? Is it about right. this concept of this diet that's really great and has all these great, you know, and truly has great aspects? Right. But does that mean it's good for you? Yeah. And keto, I mean, keto, You there's a lot of ways to not be keto. And, and a lot of people are confused between pedo, keto and paleo. You can eat a little too much protein and you've now kicked yourself out of a keto right. diet. So totally. the idea for keto, basically, you guys, is training your body to, to rely more on fat for to feed your brain and to give you energy than sugar, basically. And fat can't go directly into the brain. It's broken down into another um, beta-hydroxybutyrol, I believe. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you can't... Um, your body learns how to do that. And it's probably something that our body, I feel when I'm doing that, my body knew how to do this already. It's just not the food that we grow up eating because right. we grow up being told the wrong things are healthy for us. Right. And we grow up n- thinking that all these processed foods are what we need to be eating. But right. I was told way back in nutrition school, as opposed to dietitians, that we need to eat under 60 calories a day, period, all calories if we want to lose weight. And if you don't go lower than that, and I've tried this. I was pretty anorexic in my early 20s just because of lack of knowing how to diet. And I'm yeah. very obsessive about things. And I'm very competitive. And I'm just very driven. And I was going to get my weight down to and work <laughs> and look the way I want to look. God yeah. damn it. And I yeah. did it, you know. And I mean, my friends at the time will tell you, I was nuts about everything I put in my mouth. And a lot of it was the wrong stuff because yeah. we just didn't know. All I had was books, you know. Was, yeah. And the first time I realized that I needed a certain amount of protein and that I needed to cut my carbs, it was very eye-opening for me. So um, the problem with keto, there's a lot... Keto can be a really good diet, but you need to do your research first or you need somebody to help you. And I'm going to suggest somebody more than a person who's just done a keto diet and been successful, like an Instagram or a personality. Try to find somebody with an education and not a brand new person. Like try to find somebody with either some experience or a good mentor that they can check with because... Keto, to me, a healthy keto diet is not eating a bunch of In-N-Out burgers with bacon and cheese on top of it. And just skipping the bun. Yeah, that's not keto, although they'll tell you it is. A lot of these keto people, in my opinion, if if they're not working with a nutritionist and they're just doing it, it's great that they're supporting each other to work, to live healthier, to eat healthier. It's great that they're starting to be aware, but a lot of them don't look healthy to me. Their skin's breaking out. Their eyes aren't sparkling. They're they're um, losing a lot of weight quick, but then that comes into like almost like an eating disorder mentality, like a compulsive eater yeah. that just wants a quick fix. Well, that, you know, you know what? Yeah, because as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, I think that a lot of times diet, um, you know, again, this is kind of generalizing, but I feel like so often it's it's all about, you know, weight loss. And, and, oh, yeah. and then, you know, feeling good. But I, like, I think a lot of it first starts with aesthetics, right? And so sure, you know, you could be on the ketogenic diet and, and lose weight. First of all, it's easy to lose weight. It's not easy to keep weight off point blank, straight up. Exactly. And then you go into this idea of like, well, what about longevity? So for example, um, you know, the microbiome, what did I say? The microbiome feeds off fiber. So if you are eating, let's just say, a ton of protein and a ton of fat because you're in the ketogenic, are you getting the micronutrients? Are you getting the fiber that your microbiome needs? Micro, You guys, magnesium, 
<laughs> people like yeah, ma- magnesium, magnesium yeah. is magnesium is at the center of chlorophyll. Okay, chlorophyll is what makes the plants green, right? So the more dark green, green leafy greens that you eat, the more magnesium you're going to get. Yep. Magnesium, over 300 genes in your body that you want optimal, upregulated, or dependent on magnesium. So if yeah. you're not getting adequate amounts of magnesium because you're not, again, eating sufficient amounts of those greens and whatnot, guess what? Those 300 genes that you need for a, to not, you know, to have a healthy brain when you're in your later years in life to, to ward off disease, all that stuff, to feel good in your daily life, you might be, you know, kind of far away from that because you're not getting it. So it's this... So aesthetics, are, I think, is usually, I mean, because even for me, straight up, like after injuries and I gained weight, it's like I wasn't thinking about longevity. I was also a lot younger. I was thinking about how do I get this weight off me? <laughs> but I think, you know, one thing that I really am an advocate for and, you know, black belt beauty, for sure, it's all about high performance and performance when we, I always say it's this triangle, like when we feel good and then we look good, that lends to performing good, right? So... I, while I do value and respect the, you know, drive that comes with, I want to lose weight and aesthetics are important. I think it's also important to keep in mind longevity and, you know, kind of tailoring your diet to, to not only just be all about this, you know, oh, it's my summer body, but Mm -hmm. it's about my 80 year old brain. Am I cognitively here or am I like fucking losing it? You know, cause I want to be firing at me. (laughs) You will be. How many people know what you just said about chlorophyll and magnesium and all the 300 genes? Nobody knows that. That's not a nutritionist. Nobody, or a doctor. I listen to scientists. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. And um, so that just brought me up. 80% of the people who come see me, 80%, maybe a little higher, over the past 20 years are constipated. Now, they don't even know that they're constipated because I ask it. It's a question on my Thing that a lot of people skip and then I actually ask them how many bowel movements do you have a day are they hard rocks are they solid are they diarrhea are they liquid and 80% are constipated because you should be having two to three normal bowel movements a day okay. and that just means a form stool kind of like an uncur- uncurved banana and it should not um be a heavy little rock it should not be a heavy ru- big rock it should just be easy and they will say, I have like three and I'll be like three a day. No, three a week. And like, oh, shit. yeah, I mean, that's pretty common Wow. or I've been constipated my whole life. And so a lot of times I use a, like a magnesium, aspartate, glycinate, gluconate, like a combo magnesium that's kind of gentle just to get them pooping again. And then as we remove gluten, as we remove cheese, cheese is one of, if you're constipated, I guarantee if you remove dairy from your diet, you're going to have a lot easier time pooping and you will yeah. ha- you'll you'll be surprised how many other things clear up acne um, dr hyman has a great article on um, uh, the proof behind why dairy is bad the proof or something like that mm-hmm. oh got milk or something like that like basically and he he uh, calls on studies from dr willett from harvard mm-hmm. walter willett who's a great and one more um, doctor who i'm forgetting his name right now but 
they actually finally are doing studies that aren't backed by the dairy industry Mm -hmm. that show that most of us are lactose intolerant. People are not supposed to drink cow's milk 100%. So when we eat not only cow's lactose, but which gives a lot of us diarrhea, but then casein, which is the property in, it's an opiate-like peptide that's in cheese. And that opiate-like peptide is why it's so addictive. And and, and you know what? And this was almost so sad for me. I used to love for a moment before I was like, wait a second. No, not cheese. Almond cheese. Yeah, and it had casein in it. Yes, oh, and I saw me. that, and I was oh, yeah. like, damn it. Oh, it killed me. Am I, Just because like, it was mid- fun to have a little almond cheese no, here and there, but no. I, I no. ate soy cheese in oh, my yeah. mid-20s and I because I didn't eat meat, so that was yeah. my protein, yeah. soy cheese, and it was filled with, it was hidden. It was called calcium caseinate, mm. and it ripped my gut up because yeah. I went from eating animal protein, which has no casein, yeah. and, and not eating dairy, to eating this soy cheese I thought it was yeah. and it it gives it the texture of cheese right. and it melts and it can you explain yeah. what casein is just so casein is a uh, peptide that comes it's in cow's dairy it's okay. in cow's milk and when and there's large amounts of it in in cheese and casein can look like case it can be sodium caseinate it can be calcium caseinate mm-hmm. and they put it in like even a patient walked in with a muscle milk one of those um, shakes that you buy oh, wow. and it's filled with casein mm-hmm. and then another patient walked in with another shake from Lindbergh's mm-hmm. and it's filled with casein. So mm-hmm. instead of whey, a lot of companies are using casein as their protein. Why? Because it's cheaper and also it's addictive. Mm-hmm. Casein breaks down in the body into a morphine-like substance. So it's oh, called wow. caseomorphone. And then gluten does the same thing, gluteomorphone. Okay. And what does, I don't, a lot of people don't know this, but I worked in addiction before I worked in, uh, before I became a nutritionist and in those psych hospitals, I was working with adolescent substance abuse. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those kids are, uh, um, they were addicted to opiate pills. Um, some of them, it was heroin. They're the teenagers, not the little kids and the adults. So heroin is well known for um, being very addictive and also ripping up your gut. So when it's taken away, you get diarrhea. Oh. Why? Because the casein, the opiates in it are are making you constipated, basically. Opiates oh. constipate. And if you've ever had pain medication in the hospital... It constipates you. It's just a thing that it does. Yeah. So these foods also can be super constipating and super irritating to the gut. Mm. That was the first diet with the autistic kids that we took away. It was called the gluten-free, casein-free diet. Okay. You take that away from autistic kids and you even kids with ADD, you literally see the lights go on. Mm. It takes about a week and they throw a fit. Because yeah. they literally go into withdrawal. Yeah, wow. And, and if you think that you're not addicted to dairy or your friends or your family, ask them to remove either all dairy or all gluten from their diet. They literally will have an emotional reaction. I thought that, you know what? Yeah, it's funny because a lot of times mm-hmm. when diet comes up in a conversation, a lot of people are like, but I can't do the cheese. Yeah, I just, I can't. Like, right? Yeah. What, and I, I always kind of thought um, that the reason why was because of, you know, dairy breaks down a sugar, right? Doesn't Lactose it? is a Lactose. milk sugar. Right. It's casein a, okay. is a protein. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I always kind of thought, oh, it's the sugar. It's the lactose That's that keeps you addicted. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Well, there is the sugar item too. Like um, they're just doing studies now. The dairy industry has done such a great job of making us think that we need cow's milk. Like we're mm-hmm. the only species that eats another species milk. And right. cow babies don't even eat. They eat it for nine or 10 months. They put on like six to 800 pounds in that time, by the way, people. So what do we do? We take the fat out. <laughs> 
And that was even stupider because now right. we've got kids. Then the recommendation from the dairy industry, I think the last one I saw was that children should be eating three glasses of 1% milk a day. So oh. first of all, they're doing that at the cost of water. And, and people are, they said that because they don't want them drinking uh, fruit juices or sugary sodas. Yeah. They shouldn't be drinking any of that. They should no. be drinking water, right. basically. Or you could do like squeeze a lemon and put some stevia in it, a healthy stevia, not yeah. one with chemicals. Right. But mostly water. Like the fact that the dairy industry convinced us that we need milk for calcium and that we need protein, it's not the best form of protein. Cottage cheese and yogurt, they're inconvenient packages and the... The commercials everywhere on TV has told us not only do we need it for snack time to keep our energy up, but we also need it now for the probiotics. I was just thinking that. Yeah, and so funny. No, take your probiotics in a pill because now you're you're like you're hitting your gut ten times with the yogurt and the lactose and the casein and all that, and then you're giving it one or two back from the little bit of probiotic. Right, which is not even not worth it. And it's so it's so crazy how they it's so crazy. And and you know what? So I used to eat cheese. Um, Growing up, I ate cheese. Yeah. I haven't had cheese, I don't know, for maybe like 10 years now, I think, maybe longer. Um, and, you know, there was, I think what happened, I just, I kind of like stayed away from it less and less because I learned, you know, basically dairy invites inflammation in the body. Totally. And so what does inflammation do, you guys? It says, hey, disease, come in here. I got a really comfortable environment for you to come and hang out and live. No, thank you. So I kind of just started staying away from it little by little. And then I I remember um, at that time, too, I think the only cheese that I really liked was goat cheese. There's just one specific (laughs) cheese in Norway that I got to say. It's like this brown goat cheese. It's so good. Anyways, I backed off it. And then I remember kind of just turning around after a while going, wow, I I haven't had that for a long time. And so it's like, it was kind of out of my system and right. I don't Detoxed need it off of it yeah and, totally and you, she's gorgeous I mean you can see that Thank she you. eats really clean and she's not like battling inflammation and things like that and she's gonna be healthy as she grows older if she keeps up this diet and I'm pretty sure she will so yeah that's the plan and that there are a lot of people who, who have gotten sick with what my daughter and I got and they don't get better or they don't get better as quickly as we did both of us were better within six months to a year which is like unheard of. Why? Because I kept my body as strong as I knew how for as long as I could. And I, a lot of it's luck. I feel very blessed to have gotten better, but a lot of it is I didn't have to clean up a dirty diet because I, yeah. I've i been doing this. Because you, you were know? already dialed in. And the other thing with dairy is, you know, people bring their kids to me all the time with um, ear infections, chronic um, sinus, chronic runny noses, I'm sorry, the number one thing you got to take your kids off is dairy. You I have to. I see it all the time and around we, me, and I'm like, take the cheese feed, off the hand. They, we, but yeah, I don't say we that. We feed these, I mean, their ear infections. The doctors say, oh, it's because their tubes in their ears aren't fully formed, and so that fluid and that mucus is gathering in there. So we're going to put tubes in their ears. Okay, does that make more sense, or does pulling them off dairy so that they no longer get sick and don't have all that mucus make more sense? I think, you know what? Yeah, I think it's got to be so hard. I'm not a mommy yet. Um, you know, <laughs> so, I have intentions to, to to be one day soon, hopefully. But I, I do know, you know, it's hard, I think, when you— 
you know, kids like cheese. They it's like these things. Yeah. It makes it easier for the busy parent, yeah, yeah. you know. So it's I I understand, you know, that it's it's got to be really hard because when you're training or trying to train a young child how to stay, you know, how not to eat these things. I mean, it's it's yeah. going to be, a, it might be a bit of a fight, especially if it's already been invited into their palate, you know? If, like, if you've oh, never yeah. really started it with that, then, you know, great, good for you, because it's going to be a lot easier. But, you know, I mean, it, I think even as adults, it's, it's this idea that, you know, nothing is an overnight process. I mean, I definitely didn't get to this, you know, way that I eat overnight. It was, it was many, many years. It was feeling my way through it. Um, and you know, gratefully it's now, I mean, there's no effort. It's just kind of, it's just, it's who I am and how I, how I roll. But I think, you know, because we can go into so many more rabbit holes, um, about, about this stuff, which I can't wait to do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think that the main, one of the main takeaways of this conversation is, it's really important to to think about your diet from a very specific, you know, personalized point of view, from your personalized point of view. Can you maybe, because I don't think that everyone is going to run out and go test their genes. And I mean, I think it would no, be awesome. Yeah, no. You know, 23andMe, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do now to mm-hmm. really get dialed into, you know, your body's chemistry. But what would be a kind of simple way to you know, just if you had to kind of prescribe. Get started, like, get yeah. Started. Okay. So that's a great question. Um, simple for everybody would be, let's sit down and look at what you're actually eating and look at how much of that food is, uh, is real food and how much is processed foods mm-hmm. and then cut out as much of the processed food as you can, like get it out of your house and just don't have it. If you really want processed food, you can buy it out somewhere else. Yeah. And then I tell people to focus on, you know, a couple things during meals. Do you have a good source of protein? And I don't care what kind of protein. It could be fish. It could be a protein, plant protein powder. It could be animal. Whatever you do mm-hmm. that works for you for now, you've got to have a certain amount of protein. And then you've got to have a relatively small amount of carbs. Like I would say most people are good with 15 to 30 grams mm. per meal. And this is not for weight loss. This is just, you probably would lose weight because most people don't realize that they're eating sometimes three to 500 grams of carbohydrate a day, a day. Yeah. And and so you probably would, but this isn't specific for that. But if you were to measure your carbs and say, I'm going to eat no more than 30 grams with breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So like maybe just to give an example, like a sweet potato and, you know, a couple of sweet potato chunks the size of your hand or something? A a cup of potato or a half a cup of rice is what it looks like. So basically a half a cup of rice. That's why cereal isn't a great food because it's so carb heavy. And when they say eat that big thing of uh, Special K, that's like probably 10 servings in that bowl. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. No hundred calories. That ain't no hundred calories. And then you pour milk on it and then you're hungry in an hour. Why? Because all you ate was sugar basically. (laughs) Yeah. And so then the, these TV commercials, I grew up on that. That's the way, luckily my parents were in the natural food industry. They were kind of hippies. My uncle started a huge vitamin company in the seventies. So like, that's still a huge corporation. Like you would know the name, not great quality, sorry, but a huge, a huge company. My parents started an herb company. So they knew, yeah, keeping it real. They knew that it wasn't healthy, but I didn't believe them. I was like, I don't want this brown bread. Everyone's eating wonder bread and it's fortified with 11 essential 
nutrients. Oh my goodness. You know, because yeah. I watched the TV commercials as a kid and right. I, tricks are for kids. I was like, buy tricks. They're heart healthy. <laughs> yeah. They literally had <laughs> a, yeah. What was it? Fruit Loops or Tricks had a heart healthy seal on it a oh, couple no. years ago. And I, I don't remember. I don't know. But I loved it. I mean, yeah. I was a Lucky Charms girl. Yeah, right? I loved yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. But it's so crazy because, okay, I want you to get back to the diet. Yeah. But I just want to, yeah. it's like, you know, the processed food thing is such a, Pringles, the, the yeah. advertising, Fake bet you can't eat one or you can't eat one. Yeah, you know why? Chemicals. Because there's a scientist in the back room making sure exactly. that you can't eat just one. Legit. <laughs> exactly. It's like he's not a bad guy. It's just like that's what his job is to do. And guess what? It works. I yeah. used to love Pringles. But anyways, yeah. that's another story. My daughter did too. So yeah. a half a cup of rice. So half a cup of rice. And then I would say, I always say 5 to 15 grams of healthy fat per meal. So what that looks like is a teaspoon is 5 grams and a tablespoon, a, a generous tablespoon is uh 12 or to 15 grams. Okay. Oh, wait. So, okay. So a teaspoon to a tablespoon of fat per meal is fine to get started with. Yeah. I love that. Okay. That's, that's really great. Maybe Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll do like a, an actual post um, to show what this looks like. So you have a visual and I'll I'll make sure that we post it with this podcast. But one thing that I do want to bring up, we're kind of, you know, we're we're in a, we're in a sweet spot with time, but, um, I th- you had this post a while ago that was so good to me because you know all the listen I love my veggie they're really blueberries or raspberry bowls um, yeah. so these you know I love acai but I only do pure acai not the sugar you know mm-hmm. so you see all these insta photos of all the food yeah. right yes. so you see these big bowls with all this like honey and granola and these sh- and the fruits and the, and yeah i mean shit it looks beautiful i mean mm-hmm. i am an artist and i like the visual of it but you guys hell no Mm-mm. there is first of all calorically <laughs> it's a joke and yeah. this is not about just weight loss or i mean energy in energy out if you're not moving that much and you're consuming 800 calories which is a lot easier to consume than you think because most people don't even know what yeah. calories really look yeah, like, you right. know, in terms of food. That's a problem. You know, if, if you're consuming that at like 11 in the morning, you still got the rest of the day. Um, not to mention there's the, you know, those bowl, those things are so full of sugar and yeah. I'm not anti-fruit, but I am very specific about the fruit that I eat. You know, I'm he- my fruit is mostly um, berries because I love the antioxidants and the other things that they, you know, blueberries in particular, because they stimulate, they're low glycemic, so higher in fiber, and they definitely stimulate certain things in the body that you want to be stimulated. Yeah, sirtuins and stuff. Yeah, yeah, all kinds of stuff for the brain. I mean, neurogenesis happens from from blueberries, Um, so does stem cells. Um, Mm -hmm. So, but... I'm not saying that having a banana or any, like, none of that's bad. I love kiwis. There's, you know, I love fruit. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to just bring this up because when I see all this, you know, all the honey and the granola on top of the fruit, on top of the fruit, and it's... And I just... Yeah, you guys. Yeah. Be, be, you know, it's it's, just know this. You're eating a dessert. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I see uh, my daughter and I are driving past and we see a police officer with a big bowl down at Paradise Bowls in Hermosa. And I'm sorry, it was probably over a thousand calories easily, maybe 1400. Yeah. And I know he felt like he was healthy and that's what kills me is I want to That's the hard part. No, that's a ticket to diabetes land. Just stop. See, that's the hard part. And that's kind of why I wanted to throw this in. And you know what? In a lot of ways, 
it could be a lot healthier than of a lot of other things, you know. There's, I mean, obviously there's a lot of worse foods that could be eaten than, you know, these things, these bowls that are filled with the honey and the granola. Right. But if weight loss but, is a goal, you may as well go get two scoops at Baskin Robbins, honestly. Except that it's dairy, but they're putting dairy in a lot of those bowls too. So you have to they think can about be, that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So the, so it's, you know, it's not to say don't ever have those things. Yeah. Obviously, not even saying that. I'm just saying, I think the whole point is awareness. And really, because to me... Like one of the greatest forms of autonomy that we can have in this life that we live is having control of our health. Mm -hmm. And that really stems from what we're putting or not putting in our our system, you know, by way of diet. So I'm not, you know, shitting on those bowls Mm -hmm. by any means. I mean, they look beautiful, but... You could be healthier in the approach to them or just don't have them all the time or, you know, well, just you be could, aware of what they also, are. So one thing that's really important that I really teach my patients is ask what's in them. Don't be embarrassed. Don't act like you're the, that food person that like Sally, like me. Sally Med Harry or whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm the food person. I've always been that person. I don't care. And I don't care anymore because suddenly nutrition's trendy. So it's a cool thing I know, now. It's not so... like just the head case that like has to know every ingredient. But you know what's food, funny but, about that? Yeah. I'm putting it in my body. Exactly. I'm putting, exactly. wait, hold on. We have to say that again. Yeah. You guys, it's going in your body, not right. hers, not his. Right. So if I'm the the quote unquote rude one at the dinner, because I'm not going to eat that thing that somebody works so hard to make, that, I'm I'm, say, I'm saying it right now, yeah. which everybody who knows me is laughing right now. Like, yeah. she's just know she, before I come, I'm not Because you know it. what? Yeah. I know what feels good for me. I know when I'm, you know, walking away from that table, I'm the one that's got to live with that feeling and the effects of the food. Yeah. So, you know, it's really self-love and self-respect at the end of the day that, you know, I'm very polite to when I ask questions or when I ask for, you know, different ways to make certain foods. I'm, you know, it's not a personal thing against whoever it is that I'm, you know, asking. It's just because I care very much about how I feel. How I feel is not just about Roxanne. It's about the ripple effect that comes with that because we are all sources of energy. What I am feeling is going to affect the world around me. So if I'm not feeling good, then I'm going to not be my fullest, highest, brightest self. This person who hopefully, you know, is exuding, you know, positive energy and just feel good energy and is present and aware. And that's how I want, that's the only way I want to be living my life. And it's a really deep, like, I just went deep. But the Mm -hmm. thing is, it all starts from your diet. Straight up. A hundred percent. I mean, there are plenty of doctors who still today will say diet doesn't matter. And, you know, I, like I said, those, those oncologists who were telling my patients they could eat chocolate frosting out of a can all day. And as long as they get through their chemo, they're going to be okay. Well, those are my patients that have died over the past 20 years. And, and then my patients who have lived, and I don't think this is any coincidence, is the ones who were willing to go the whole mile with keto and yeah. did their, their chemotherapy when it has been proven to work for that specific cancer and mm-hmm. been targeted as they can now genetically. Yeah. But then they also did everything they could, vitamin C, IVs, and alter- alternative medicine, not the quacky stuff, but the stuff that has actual science related to it or right. actual, if it's going to be anecdotal, you need to know the people who got better from it, you know, because totally. there are a lot of quacks out there. So but these, <laughs> the changing the diet, especially if you've had cancer and don't want to get it again, yeah. it's imperative. You must do it or you will get it back. It's right. just 
that's a whole like making your body inhospitable to disease. You yes. have to. And I love what you said about you're putting it in your body. I hope that the people who put this stuff in their body, it's just because they don't know yet what right. it's doing to them. Right. right. Well, that, well, so it's okay. I'm going to get deep really quick. And then, yeah. you know, Jumped this up. is the thing that I think most people kind of walk around and, you know, associate being alive with, I'll use me as an example, like, hi, I'm Roxanne, you know, I'm this this person, and this is how I feel, and this is what I believe in, and this is my character, and all that stuff, right, which is valid and important, and I'm a human, great. But then let's go in the science, the science aspect where it's like, I'm also a system, I'm a flesh and blood bacteria operating system. So think of a car, it's a system. If you're not taking care of the car, if you're not changing the oil, if you're if the tires are low, if the gas isn't clean, the system is going to break down. And even if it doesn't happen right away, I love Dr. Rhonda Patrick, who I feel is my biology teacher. <laughs> she has put it in the most beautiful way. You don't feel DNA damage. It's insidious. And there's no free lunch. Shit shows up later in life when you're more vulnerable in your fifth decade and your sixth decade, seventh decade of life. So, you know, it's, 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 there's no way around the fact that, you know, how we take care of ourselves by way of diet or lack thereof is going to affect us. And I think that most people, you know, oftentimes, and I'm, I'm including myself, like I didn't know all this stuff before. So I would just eat and then kind of roll around. And like, like you said, people don't even know that they're constipated because you're kind of so used to just, you know, oh, live once, or this is just normal how I feel. But the thing is, it's like, it's not the case. And if you really start to think, so, you know, for example, if it's, I know I've said this on another episode before, but just to kind of play it back, if it's three o'clock in the day, I kind of analyze, I'm just making this up, right? It could Mm -hmm. be four o'clock, it could be whatever. I analyze what did I eat and what did I not eat today that is in my body needs to, you know, operate optimally. So let's just say my 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 breakfast was more, you know, protein and fat heavy, right? Well, I know that I need to make sure then that I'm getting that magnesium and the veggies and the fiber. So I make sure that my lunch or my dinner is rich with those things. So it's not about, you know, what I can't eat. And I know that I'm on another level at this point in my diet, but just to kind of plant the seeds of like, you know, it's really thinking about what your body needs versus what you can't have, which I feel yeah. like that's a whole other it's episode. Huge, yeah. Just that's amazing the way you put it. Very articulate and very well put. So just remember that all the foods that were these processed foods, these chemicals, McDonald's blows their smoke out into the universe so that when you smell that, if you've eaten there recently, your body instantly you're hungry and you must have whatever that smell is, the hamburgers, the French fries, because those chemicals are so friggin' addictive. Yeah. And that's, and food addiction is real, you guys. It's real. And it's very much related to things like those opiate peptides and these chemicals, like Roxy said, that these, these scientists are working on these so that you will keep eating this crap. And there's no logical reason that we would eat it when we know it's bad for us, except that it's everywhere. So it's convenient. It's cheap and we're addicted. So When you change your diet and even those first steps I gave you guys, if you start cutting out like one thing every couple months, like maybe just say, I'm not going to eat any added sugar, you know, during the day, or I'm not going to like, just make a baby step. I'm going to try cutting out dairy for six weeks. And if you feel miserable after six weeks, just go back on it. You know what I mean? I love that. And maybe in in another thing. But I think you'll feel great. 
I know. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I concur. Yeah. I also think another cool way is just kind of playing off of what I said, where it's like, maybe instead of thinking about what you can't have, you need to make, for, I'm going to make an example. I need to make sure that I'm getting, you know, two salads in a day. I don't know the servings. I'm just kind of making this up. Because what happens is, is when you make sure that you're getting in those things that you need, Mm -hmm. you'll find that you won't have room for those other things that, you know, are usually calling Mm -hmm. your attention. I didn't finish that. So my patients get a daily food plan to start with the first time I visit them. I go through their labs. I order any labs they need including food antibody testing to see if something is making them inflamed or irritating their body. It's an easy test. It's $200 and it's done. And then usually dairy and gluten are on there for most people and they don't know it. But so you, um, I give them the three meals and then if they need it, they can have two snacks. And the rule is to eat every three or four hours Mm -hmm. or whenever you're hungry. And if you don't know that yet, I help you work on that with a hunger scale. If you just, it's a habit or if you're bored or whatever, but basically they can have protein, carbs, healthy fat. Their snacks look just like their meals. They're just a little smaller. So snack doesn't have to be a candy bar or chips. A snack can just be half your meal. Or you just posted two, something about yeah, that. Yeah, two thirds of it. your meals because snack food industry is huge. And snacks are just a little meal because you're still awake four hours later and you, you, you're not ready for lunch or dinner yet. So right. basically, once you're once they're focusing, and then the other thing Roxy reminded me of is on top of all those carbs, fat, and protein, I encourage them to eat up to three cups of vegetables per meal. And so it. it's wide open. If you're not, if you're hungry at all in this diet, which you won't be, or feeling deprived, go ahead, stir up some vegetables and coconut oil. Yeah. Saute them, put on 21 seasoning salute, salute, some sea salt, and I guarantee you, you will not be hungry and you will not feel deprived and you will not be craving the foods that you usually eat because you're so, my patients laugh. They're like, I was so busy that I couldn't get both snacks in. And I'm like yeah. kind of smirking, like, that's okay. That's where I want you because they forget that I took away like these these non-foods out of their diet and I that they were that. dependent on. Yeah. They're not food. No, you're right. They're, they're not, not food. They're filler. They're like, we may as well be chewing on pencils. It might be less damaging to us. I know that's a little extreme, but... No, it's so true. It's so true. And and then what do we feed the sickest and our smallest? You'll see when, when... when I was in the hospital having my daughter, they immediately come in there and shove cans of formula in your face. Mm. Four different types of formula. They send you home with formula and crappy baby food. And it's the same stuff almost. It's corn syrup and lactose and casein. No, I remember when my sister yeah. had her her, her baby disgusting. boy, my, my little nephew, and I saw what they were bringing. I was like, get that shit away yeah, from my sister. Yeah, it's nothing like breast milk. <laughs> it's nothing like breast milk. And Garbage. I'm so sorry because parents are so scared. I yeah. mean, they come to me, they're like, my baby stopped breastfeeding. He's, he's How old is he? He's... 10 months. Well, he's done breastfeeding. You know, mm. you give him food. Oh, I'm giving him Cheerios and stuff. No, give him real food. Give him yeah, avocado. Yeah, like my sister's huge on that. All my girls actually um, no. who have had their babies recently, they're, um, yeah, they're really good. It's so exciting. They're like, first strawberry. Well, now super there's healthy cute. baby food, but... So then we feed the same stuff as in Boost and Insure. And who do we feed that to? Sick and elderly. Right. And it's just complete poison. Like, then it's the same stuff they do tube feeding in a hospital. That's why I could never be an RD because, I'm sorry, they came up with hospital food. They don't. The ADA does. And then they serve it. And they make it, you know, it's got to be 32%, 32 cents per meal 
per person or something like that. Like, yeah, it's, it's disgusting. Yeah, it's it's just going to make people sicker. So we really do have a sick care system, not a health care system. I love that. Yeah, it's and so true. The key to being healthy is diet. It's where it all starts. Yeah, I want medical intervention if I get in a car accident or I have cancer or whatever. Sure. I want a doctor. I want meds. I want surgery. I want, yeah. you know, pain drugs or whatever. But for anything else, diet is where I'm starting. You're right. And, and if I can do it with acupuncture or something else, I will. I love it. Something I, less invasive. I'm I'm all about that. I mean, it's yeah. It's like I said, we're we're a system, so right. It's so logical to me. Before I knew about the mechanisms and all this stuff that I knew, I always kind of, when I really started getting on this pathway, I guess of 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 you know eating what's really good for my to body. Your workouts and your well, training. Well, I well no. So oh. it was just, well, kind of yeah. But it didn't even start from that. It was. Like I said, at first it started from an aesthetic point because I had gained weight um, from having three knee surgeries and, oh, yeah. and not, you know, being laid out for a couple of years back to back. But no, I think when I, when I got on the understanding of what food was, the effects of food, diet mm-hmm. um, in our body, how I framed it before I knew the science, now I know the science is, well, the logical thought process for me was, well, you know, what we eat affects our nervous system, right? Mm-hmm. And our nervous system affects our decision-making ability because most of our decisions stem from our emotions, right? So if your nervous system is, you know, shaping kind of your emotional well-being and then that's shaping your decisions, well, your decisions are essentially your choices and your choices create your habits. Your habits create your life. So that's a domino effect. And that's just kind of how my mind processed, oh shit, the value of food. And then it like, and then obviously over the years, I just, I've become so deep in the game with it all. But, you know, we're going to wrap this up because we can keep going. For five uh, hours. I know. But we're going to do this again and again and, and you know, have, met, you know, specific so topics. And I'm, I'm super excited because... Um, you know, for the next one, I think what we'll do is, is, um, I'll put it out on, on both of our Instagrams ask, you know, you guys can ask questions Ooh, specific yes. to Julie because she has so much knowledge, like I said, and I think, you know, this is important stuff because I want you guys to all feel good. You know, the, like I said earlier, it's not just about me feeling good or Julie feeling good. It's the ripple effect that comes from all of us when we're feeling our best, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I, I, I firmly believe, and you know, this is not some kind of like, this is a, a scientific thought. Like it's proven diet affects how we feel. Yeah. A hundred percent. It is proven. And you'll feel it once you are doing the correct diet for your body, you will feel it and you will get so much more addicted to feeling good than you were to these foods. Oh my God. That's why I always say that. Like yeah. feeling good feels too good because people are always like, you're it's, so disciplined. Yeah. I'm like, um, well, it doesn't, I don't feel like there's any discipline. Yeah. I just, I feel really good and I want to keep feeling good. Exactly. And this is just me now, but anyways, that yeah. I'll go down a path. Yeah. Julie, <laughs> Reel it in. Even though we're going to have you know, reel it in. Put the leash on me. Um, can you tell our listeners how they can find you on social media? And if, you know, I mean, I'm sure your website can lead them if people yeah. want to specifically ask you questions, maybe. Sure. Yeah. I'm on uh, Instagram. It's Julie Keen Nutritionist. And my name is spelled J-U-L-I. 
K-E-E-N-E. So no E's in Julie and three E's in Keen. And I'll have it all in the show yeah. notes. Yeah, and then so you can find me there. You can always DM me or just comment. And you can actually email me if you have a specific question um, about, you know, nutrition, treatment, whatever. Maybe testing. It's, yeah, testing, stuff like that. It's it's my name, Julie Keen, C-N, like Cat Nancy, clinical nutritionist. Julie Keen, C-N at gmail.com is my direct email and uh, my website has a lot more information about what I do, and that's juliekeen.com. And um, yeah, I would love to hear from you guys, and I would love to hear any questions you have. There are no dumb questions, and um, I get really, I'm really excited about nutrition. Like, and I have been for 25 years. I just have wait, wait, kind of waiting for everybody else to catch up. So, <laughs> well, it's totally yeah, happening. Super excited. So. It's super happening. Well, we yeah. feel your passion. I feel your passion. I'm, oh, yeah, I you. love it so much. So, you guys, we're going to wrap out because it's time to yeah. eat. Yeah, <laughs> I want some avocado and salmon yeah. right now. I'm um, sending you guys lots of love. If you have any questions for me, you know where to find me. And if you like this podcast, please share it with your friends, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. Thank you, guys. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Thanks for taking the time to check out this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please share it with your friends. Head over to iTunes, subscribe to this podcast, rate it. Leave me an honest review. Let's connect. I am so excited to do that in this space and really create content that elevates your mind in support of your best performance in life. You can find me on Instagram at Black Belt Beauty. I'm active there every single day and I look forward to connecting with you all. So thanks again and I'll catch you on the next one.